Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Kova. And I'm Kikita Kaori. And man, we have a lot of news for you today. It has been a fortnight of <laughs> ups and downs and sideways. Uh, so we'll be dealing with news. We'll be dealing with a new book coming out. And so that's Celestial Realms and Wheel of Judgment. And we look at the stories Trial of Shadows, What the Eye Cannot See, and A Night Storm Rages. Yes. Trials so, of Shadows being up. a book, but we'll get there. Oh, that's a good point, yes. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> buckle up, me hearties. So here we yeah, go. Yeah, we'll go fast. All right. Um, so the first thing that happened in the last fortnight was uh, a large amount of uh, flurry and speculation when we heard mm. and had confirmed that it was the time for the end of all the role-playing game lines for Fantasy Flight, in particular yep. uh, L5R and Star Wars. And yep. we did have that confirmed by Katrina Ostrander, and we had known that on on our podcast a little bit early, but it seemed like we yep. should wait for something more official. Now, they, they were saying that this is kind of a long-term thing, and basically anything that was already in the pipeline would, would come out, which is what has been happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't like dead now. And obviously some people were saying, well, maybe someone will pick it up, or maybe it will go to freelancers, or maybe this, maybe that, maybe the other thing. And just today, we had discovered that there was a comment on a Twitch chat of, I think, an X-Wing Right. (laughs) Because that's how Uh, you should do your press releases. This is how we find these things out. Um, From FFG Live at Twitch, saying that RPG is not shutting down. We will have more information about that in the future. So... Okay. <laughs> uh, so we're waiting for that announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just going to steal uh, the Sun line from the Elf of our Discord. The announcement is on the boat. It'll be here when it's here. <laughs> so the question is, what is going on? Aye. Well, so what Katrina said is that FFG mm. is stopping... Fantasy flight or stopping making role playing games. Yeah. However, what the announcement said was that the RPG is continuing. These are not yeah. mutually exclusive statements. No, no. It is. It is possible that someone else is going to pick it up, uh, and yeah. we have some. We have some candidates. Right, because because uh, uh, F- Asmadi, who owns FFG, just opened Aconite Press, uh, a new press line, yeah. and that's the one doing the. L5R novels that are coming out yeah. this summer. And it would seem a bit weird to drop, to just like, let's do this. Let's have a whole new thing that prints books and then stop printing books. <laughs> if you see what I mean. So mm-hmm. so it's it's all a bit, I'm yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens and, and how it happens. And, and also the, the, like, why it happened. Because some people are saying, well, clearly, clearly the sales have been terrible. But a lot of people have been pointing out that there's all sorts of equity company things involved where people slap debt on things and say, well, you're not making billions in profit, therefore, away with you. And so 
RPG lines that are actually making money and are paying everybody and, and entirely sustainable aren't making a big enough profit and so they get thrown out. So hopefully that means that someone else will go, well, the, the role-playing games were paying for themselves. So let's, we'll do it. Yeah, so. I, think, I think the lesson overall is just when they say stuff is in the pipe, mm. you know, just wait till the end of don't the panic. pipe. <laughs> don't don't panic don't panic but uh, oh, at least we've got more material coming starting off the first new chunk yes. of material uh, was uh, associated with Path of Waves so Path of Waves just came out a couple weeks mm -hmm. ago and Sense of Regret the adventure that goes with it and we will have a yep. full review of that on a future broadcast once we have all read it enough once. times and, and also <laughs> once there isn't a ton of news to go through <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> when we have space. But uh, so you've got The Path of Waves, which is the Ronin and Gaijin book. So you're playing outsiders, pe people who aren't clan samurai. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of interesting stuff about that. Cresting Waves is an adventure that goes with it. Yes, oh, sorry, so uh, Sins of Regret is the adventure that goes with it. And Cresting Waves is like the free DLC, which has little mini adventures, which you could put into Sins of Regret or your own campaign. Yes, yeah. so this is sort of like the uh, Castle of the Emerald Champion went along with mm. the beginning game, beginner's box game. Yep, and, and, yours, it, and yeah, Knotted Tales, Knotted Tales came out for the Shadowlands adventure. Mask yeah, Mask of, of the, the Oni. Oni. So they, that seems to be a thing they do. So you get the book, you get the adventure, you get a free DLC. However, in this case, I would say that the free DLC is better than all the other ones because mm. instead of getting because I read it, and instead of getting just one campaign that goes along inside or with the other adventure, you yeah. get three little mini adventures that are perfectly good to plop into any campaign at any space with yeah. any characters. This is definitely yeah. not Ronin exclusive or anything like that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I read the first one. I, I, I read the first one, and I really liked it. And I was kind of going, "Oh, I wish there was more." Then I went, "Oh, wait, there's another two. <laughs> so, looking forward to that. Uh, and also, speaking of, because we're rushing through, because we've got so much to do. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, because um, part of the ways we knew was coming out before we had the announcement of no more RPG, and then the new announcement of yes, maybe RPG. Mm -hmm. But the one, but Celestial Realms is a new 144-page book. That is coming out, and that and has come out and been announced after all that all that news. So this is about the cosmology of Rock again, and the various celestial realms. And this appears to be going to be featuring the Phoenix Clan and the Centipede Minor Clan, as all these other books have featured a Major Clan and a Minor Clan. And there will be some sample shrines. There'll be new schools, new invocations, stuff about the Clan Swords. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also void techniques, uh, something called inversions. So that should make a few people happy. Right. Now that's scheduled to come out, it says, in second quarter 2020. So mm -hmm. that, that's promising for us. Uh, they yep. really kept a lid on this one. So it was really cool to see that big splash page of all the, all the realms uh, associated yeah. with it, that they have a really good picture of of everything, I I loved the artwork for the preview here. 
it does come with an RPG module, which sounds great to me. I don't normally mm. pick up the RPG modules unless I'm jonesing for tokens. Um, yeah. However, this one comes with an RPG module called Wheel of Judgment that lets you play after the total party wipeout. Um, <laughs> yes. That's, that's literally, oh, oh, um, it turns out that only is way too tough for you. But never mind, I have this adventure. <laughs> right. Let's go. Wheel of Judgment. Yeah, so you're playing as Dead Samurai under the judgment of Emma. Oh, so that sounds mm. lovely as uh, <laughs> as a campaign. I think that that just sounds I, great. I, and also, it's it's just, I, I think it's a lovely way to begin. So you're all dead, and <laughs> I just think that's just a fantastic thing. I think it's really, really cool. So and, and so therefore this this is kind of proving that anything that was already in the pipeline should be coming out even if the role playing game doesn't go to someone else but it looks like it might be. And don't think that this is necessarily the only thing in the pipeline either. No, because they have I've, to work I've a long way ahead. That's true. I've heard I've heard some rumors stuff in playtesting um mm. but they're rumors so I'm not going to like you know tell you anything about it. <laughs> so there should be more stuff. So I think there's time and before we need to worry about wh where our next supplement's coming from. <laughs> yep. Right. So <laughs> the next thing we have is a new clan novel, clan novella called Trial of Shadows. This one is by D.G. Laderoot. He is a prolific writer of the fiction stories for the mm -hmm. for the game. So it'd be exciting to see what he has to say. He wrote the first of the Kuniyori stories. And Trial of Shadows is the Crab Clan novella. Yes. And this is going to be about Hida Sukune, who's the youngest child of Hida Kasada. And he's long been considered a weakling, although a brilliant tactician. And obviously in the Hida kind of way of seeing things. If you can't bet press an ox, then what, what, are, you, what are you even doing? Yeah. And, yeah, so he's been sent... I, this might be one of the things... Uh, you can go and... Oh, heaven's sake, we can get rid of you. I mean, uh, a really good thing for you to do. Uh, he's off to find Kikyo, which is the armor made by Hida Asanowo for Hida Atarasi, who is the, the, cran, the crab clan Thunder back in the day, in the first day of Thunder. On the assumption that things are going so terribly wrong that we might suddenly be getting thunders all over again, so we might want their armor. Well, and when Asanawo made uh, Kikyo, he made it assuming that if anybody could get back from mm. the pit, it would be Hida Atasari, so he made some new armor for him to give him when he yeah. returned, and Yes, yes. So, so this is for that when he returns, yeah. And it's in the, it's in the Shinomen Forest, where nothing bad ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> and possibly something is threatening the crab and the tattered ear of the Nizumi. Ooh, sounds yeah. very interesting. It's 120 pages. It includes 16 pages of crab and Nizumi lore. So mm -hmm. uh, much like the other novels have included some good stuff in the back there. Um, it also, for the card game players, it comes with uh, Hida Sukune and Kikyo to, as cards to look pretty nice. in your deck, if you like that. Yeah. 
Uh, we've actually had some kind of patches to uh, current stories as people have been helpfully submitting corrections slash nitpicking, depending <laughs> on your point of view. <laughs> I take offence at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely nitpicking. I mean, no. <laughs> so, Just Game of Promises. Just because you want to line up. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, you do. No, yeah. It's I think, and I think it's nice that they're doing that. And it's also one of the nice things about having the online PDFs is that they can kind of go, "Oh, that's a good point. Let's just change that." <laughs> so we have game promises updated to change the names of Kudaka's assistants from Kaze and Mizu to Fu and Umi. That's the one where Kudaka is talking to the son of Yasuki Taka. Uh, we strike first. Uh, changed. That was the Hair Clan one. Instead of attacking Tangled Path Village, which is in the Courts of Stone as a crane village, uh, right. he ch- changed it to Bramblethorn Village, so it would be securely in the Crablands where it was supposed to be. Yeah, brand new, not mentioned by anybody. I mean, it's not beyond the realm's possibility that there's more than one Tangled Path village. It no. must be said. Because, you like, if you've got a Paris, France and a Paris, Texas, then you can have a Tangled Path village crane and a Tangled Path village uh, crab. But uh, I think it's one of those things. Let's, let's, res- let's remove the... Um, Potential confusion because right. us, role, us role players are easy enough to confuse as it is. So. <laughs> yep. And finally, we get Beyond Reach changes the reference of Yakumo killing the son of the Miramoto Daimyo to the brother of a Miramoto Hatamo. Hatamoto. Right. Brother of a Miramoto Hatamoto. So uh, in Beyond Reach, uh, our main character looks at Yakumo and remembers her him uh, being this horrifying person who smashed in mm. the uh, head of a dragon during a duel. And either Yakumo went around smashing many heads in. <laughs> Not beyond the realm's possibility. Uh, uh, of dragons honestly. all over the place. Or he just did it to mm. one. But the way it was set up, if he had done the son of the Miramoto Daimyo, that would mean he had smashed that Hitomi was the daughter of the Miramoto Daimyo. And so the implications of that were further than intended. Yes. So he's he got he someone clearly clearly someone who was watching got because because mm-hmm. if you think about it it was from someone's point of view saying like, ah oh, he smashed in the head of the Miramoto Daimyo then the the head of the son of the Miramoto and someone said no 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 he's just a, a the brother of a, a Hatamoto oh oh right okay <laughs> I'll I'll adjust my diary because I've got that wrong <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it just sa- saves the clarification. It, it keeps it clearer Absolutely. in the future. And Absolutely. It, it, we could have, it could have been wrong, but this fixes it. Yeah. So why, why worry about it? Why worry about it? We are no longer worried because it, it doesn't really have to worry. Uh, so, goodness me. Now, we're going to, I think we can slow down a little bit. Yes. Take a bit, <laughs> a bit slower now. Uh, we can talk about a couple of fictions. Yes. This the is- first one is What the Eye Cannot See by Mary Brennan. And uh, this is uh, this is the outcome of one of the players' choices, which was who shall the Dragon Clan send to go uh, 
involve themselves in the in the shenanigans in the imperial city, and it was right. decided Worlds, to Kitsuki. Yeah, Worlds two thousand eighteen was the mm. was that, and yes, the dragon top of Dragon Clan player sent the Kitsuki because who else do you want to involve themselves in discovering shenanigans? And shenanigans were indeed discovered because Kitsuki are great, and I love them. And <laughs> it's not because I play a Kitsuki at the minute in the one game I'm in, but no, this is brilliant. And so Kitsuki Chiari starts noticing an unusually large number of servants in the Imperial Palace are new and have to ask where to find things. And says so like, hmm, interesting. And so she starts you know, investigating, uh, talking to people, making sure that she's plausible, plausibly deniable at one mm -hmm. particular moment. And uh, she finds out at least some part of what happened to the emperor. And it's mm -hmm. like, ooh, oh no, information is out now. <laughs> this should be entertaining. So, so it, it depends where she takes it, but oh yes. Yep. So I liked the lore in this this one. Um, it's a little subtle, but one of the things we've never really gotten for L5R in any version, and I've looked for it, is how the capital is actually organized. Hmm. Like how how does how does it actually work in the imperial bureaucracy? We know there is yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Uh, because obviously there is one, but we don't hmm. know what it's actually called. And one of the people that. Chiari reaches out to is Doji Azumamoro, and he is listed as the third assistant director of the Palace of the Bureau of Palace Upkeep. Now, yep. the third assistant director of the Bureau of Palace Upkeep, and this is a position he worked for years to get, he oversees the servants working in the palace, like their day-to-day -day yep. affairs. Um, and, and he may literally be the most boring man in all of, all of Otisanuchi, which is actually sometimes a serious benefit. Oh, yes. Like, very very good survival skill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought, so what does that mean? That means that, for us, it means that directors... Well, the person above him is Bayushi Sotatsu, who is the minister of the imperial household. So that means in the yep. hierarchy, in the palace, you have levels of directors mm -hmm. with a minister on top. Yep, which sounds sounds about right. And maybe under the advisor, but the, the advisor isn't necessarily connected directly to the servants or the, the actual the management of the palace and maybe the minister reports directly to the emperor or maybe there's another layer in there who knows it's also so, exciting stuff. well certainly in this case uh sotatsu does report does report to kachiko though how informally right. or informally is all rumor and speculation well, yeah. <laughs> yeah yes does, does sotatsu report to kachiko as the minister of the imperial household, or does he report to Kachigo as a scorpion? <laughs> anyway, it does give you some terms to use. Directors mm. and ministers. Yep, know, and to... the, the Bureau of Palace Upkeep. Yep, and... and so one would imagine that in a Chinese style or you know, really Japanese imperial style hierarchy, mm -hmm. there's lots of bureaus. There would be. I mean, you get you get all sorts of interesting things. You get minister of the left and minister of the right, and you get minister of the stables and all sorts. And some of these have actual important 
functions and some of them don't and some of them have functions that are completely unrelated to the thing that they're called right. and so it's actually almost surprising that there's i'm the minister of the imperial household i'm actually in charge of the imperial household it's like oh good it's nice to have them line up occasionally one of the bureaus that i always love to do in my rpgs is the bureau of calligraphy and seals Mm, so, yeah. Very important. <laughs> but so we've talked about him uh, as Azumar Maro being uh, very boring. He's also in a long term, three plus mm -hmm. years, same sex relationship between a Hyman ex servant uh, who's running a tea house and yep. and him. And it's considered secret or discreet, but it's nothing that's too appalling. And yeah. I find that pretty realistic, you know, in, in the world, you know, on one level, yeah, it's not totally honorable, but it's not. Well, it's it's more that, you know, like everyone else, you are supposed to have your marriage and you're supposed to stay in the marriage. That's what you're supposed to do. But everyone knows that you don't. So as long as you're discreet, fine. Right. That's kind of the level it's at. So it's, he should be discreet and he shouldn't go on about it. But it's not like, and now it's execution time. If anyone finds out, yeah. it's more, couldn't you be a bit more? Oh, heaven's sake. Just <laughs> theory me. Subtlety. Have you not heard of subtlety? That kind of thing. Yes. So here's this very boring guy. And he's got this secret relationship going on. So yeah. it's no surprises for anyone. It's boring. And uh, this is the, the tea house of the the house of morning fragrance, is where he goes. Yes. Um, they had a nice little discussion between uh, Chiari and her boss, uh, Yamara. Is it Yamara? Uh, yeah, uh, mm, I think so. Um, anyway, uh, where they used an Ofuda or a ward from a special temple in Shirokatsuki to prevent anybody from listening. So it didn't need a Shigenja mm. there. They just take out the ward, slap it on the wall, and it's like, we're in a secret bubble. Which is obviously part of the point of wards is that you can do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You can have the like deferred spell. I also like the fact that this is, because everyone knows that the Kitsuki are all about gathering information, but this is a thing I've always felt that the Kitsuki are also going to be the spies of the dragon because mm -hmm. they can just go to a place and observe things and get information that other people would have to sneak into rooms to get which i think is rather neat and and so here's them acting look if you're going to do this you also need to have secret conversations and so we're just going to plonk down a ward which i thought was really really cool mm -hmm. but they and they have that they have that kind of they've, they've gone out and got that facility and got that capability i think that's cool Absolutely. And um, so one of the things we've we've also got is this um, concept of plausible deniability. So yep. she's like, I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do. You're not going to tell me what you're going to do. Nope. You're just going to write down the results and put them over here at some time yep. when you're done. And if need be, I'll be shocked and appalled, but we'll see what happens. And I can always, if it gets too obvious, I can always mm. never pick up the results, in which case yep. I never knew what was going on. And therefore, it's none of my faults. It's all fine. <laughs> so there you go. I, I think that, uh, yeah, so that, that, was, that was a really lovely scene. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, 
We have uh, Chiori, Chiari actually getting back into doing slightly more. Is it Chiari or Chiori? Because I suddenly realised you've written it both ways. Oh dear. Uh... And I can't remember because I don't have a memory for names. <laughs> it is Chi. Hold on. I'm just being awful this morning. <laughs> it is Chiari. Chiari. Okay, cool. And uh, the, yeah. Oh, and the person she reports to as Yuruma. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, Chiari actually does some of the sneaking about and, and, and things that I was actually saying that the Kisuki don't necessarily need to do, but she's also doing that, which is fine. Uh, she dresses as a, a Heimin maid, which is cool because... Um, that's a fun thing to do. Disguises. Um, it is stated that it's not really necessarily dishonorable. It is if you dress as someone higher than you, but voluntarily dressing as someone lower than you maybe not so bad. Yeah, but obviously not... if anyone says, are you a servant? And you go, yes, then you're lying and that is dishonorable. Right. So this is not really directly stated, but in general, mm. it's the case. So it is dishonorable to pretend to be higher status than you hmm. flat out so but you can it, dress yeah. down you can go slumming as a ronin and not be dishonorable like don't you yeah. does you can actually but, go slumming as a servant and not be considered dishonorable even though people might look at you sideways as long as you never lie about it yeah i think probably going all the way down to dressing specifically as a maid in the imperial household might kind of get you into trouble but never mind <laughs> uh and there is a mention of a lock, and uh, Chiari picks them with lock picks. There were, in fact, uh, locks. They were not that common. But obviously, there were still times when you needed stuff locked. And uh, they're basically kind of like uh, padlocks, only they were slightly different shape. Instead of the slightly longer or wider, I think, wider and flatter than your, your modern day padlock. But they're basically padlocks. They're kind of cool. Right, and so they also mentioned choji oil, which is mm -hmm. used, and that would be part of your standard bushi kit, even though it's not listed. Yep. Uh, that's what you use to protect your swords from rust, and it is basically made from a combination of clove oil and mineral oil, or petroleum. Yep. Um, and you keep, you know, if you have a fine sword, you always need to protect it from rust, and that's what you would be wiping it down with, is choji yes, oil. Yes, that's part, that's part of your, like, your daily maintenance ritual that you do with your sword. Mm -hmm. And she examines the swords, and she just finds a spot of blood on Shiori's hilt, works out that this means that someone got stabbed while Shiori was in the room, and then she draws Kunshu. And it's not quite stated why, but she immediately realizes that, it's, realizes that it's been cursed. Just immediately. Which is, like, really interesting on a <laughs> bunch of levels. But, oof. So I really liked this story. I think my favorite thing was that her lead, the thing that got her into the story mm. in the first place, was that all the servants were that the servants were missing a bunch of servants were missing um yeah it bothered it bothered my little you know heroic soul as it were uh that kachika was very casual about ordering the deaths of a bunch of servants to cover up very the death in character very in character for her i have oh, to absolutely. say but yes but at the same time you know these poor people were not doing anything wrong and they just get killed right and, they're just and people here are this 
He, yeah, yeah, and and here are here are those chickens coming home to roost, which I think is kind of cool. Right. It's 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 they they will they have in some way get some small measure of justice through through Chiari's what? One investigation. One certainly hopes so. One certainly hopes so. Um, and an interesting yeah. thing was how did Kenshu get cursed by doing this? Yes, my guess is the stabbing of the emperor. But <laughs> both we, we've got these two things, which is first of you the Shuri we have Shuri. The reason why we have Shuri in the first place is that um Akodo didn't want to use his actual ancestral sword because that had been used to fight Fuleng and he said no sword that has tasted its the blood of a kin should be revered. And he breaks it and he Gets just literally just grabs a random sword and says, "This is now my sword," or or just an ordinary sword that he had. This is now my sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the sort of thing. People are saying stuff about. Well, clearly, that implies that if, if what he's saying is true, then Kunshu is no longer a sacred sword. But also, the Tengu, who was present when Kunshu was created and had taught the man who, who built it, who created it. Kunshu shall be his name. Whatever befalls this blade, so too shall befall its masters. And so clearly, uh, if someone uses it to stab the emperor, that's that does seem to fall into some kind of... That, if that's a prophecy, which right. it does kind of sound like, it, it feels like it's being used to, to kill the emperor, then that... It implies that that is going to then befall the master, but exactly how this is going to come out, it should be very interesting. That does imply that, yeah, doing this, committing murder with it, is going to curse the blade. Right. So if taking the blood of a a kin causes a blade not to be revered, Hurakoto sword, Mm. and what fate befalls this blade, so she shall befall it, it's masters, it means that the masters will not be revered. Yep. (laughs) And so yep. now it's a a cursed blade that will bring dishonor on whoever is the master of the blade. Or and well, I say or this is this is not an exclusive or this is right. an inclusive or. If mm-hmm. you murder someone with it and you then gain, you are now the master of the sword because you killed the emperor. Mm-hmm. Implication is you're going to get murdered. That certainly could be how we we end up. So it could work either way. Either way, could not both, good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, and I'm also interested to know, because it's not stated, how does she realize it's cursed? And I would love to know what. Is, is it visual, or did she just feel it in her soul? And, and both of those would be very interesting. She so got two void opportunities. I think that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, um, yes, <laughs> that, is, that is literally it. But exactly how it comes out would be really, really fascinating. <laughs> uh, Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, <on>. poor Kawanan. Hi. <laughs> All right. The next story that we had uh, in in this last couple weeks was uh, a night storm rages. Uh, this story is by DG Laderoot. Uh, it is about Doji Kawanan again. Uh, he mm-hmm. is recovering from his injuries that he took in his failed attempt to rescue Hante Sotori. Yep. Um, and he's been basically pulled out of there by one of his army of handful of 
Dulles and take yeah. him back to Daitoji Uji's camp uh, where he is recovering. And Uji is traveling and takes him to Kudan Kikita or outside Kudan yep. Kikita because, because the lion have it. Yeah. Yes, because the lion have it and Uji's going to get it back. Uh, Uji basically says, okay, what are you going to do? Technically, you're the family of my boss anyway. Uh, yeah. I've got to be polite. I can't tell you what to do. So are you going to help or are you going to sit there? Are you going to help or are you going to sit there? Or are you going to be about as useful as you have been up to now? Oh, no, wait. I better not say that last bit. <laughs> but you know he's thinking it. <laughs> I, I actually kind of don't I, – I keep forgetting that. He's actually quite young, is Kuanan. Yeah, Kuanan is I, – I, I figured out on the timeline, it's very likely that he is no more than 17 or 18 years old. Ataru Which herself makes, yeah. is only I, 22. Make, it, yeah, it makes me feel a little bit better about – um, because he he feels slightly less of an idiot. I have to say, if he's only seventeen, right? You see it, yeah. Because I was thinking of him as a kind of rather more grown up, but then he's done some dumb, dumb, dumb things. <laughs> but if he's if he's seventeen, then okay, I get this. <laughs> he is still not quite sure what he wants to do, but he knows bold action is called for. Yep. Um, because that's who he is. Mm. And he, he he says, all right, stick me in the most dangerous part of this fight. And if I succeed, then I'll hopefully that means I've got the blessings of the gods and I'll keep doing what I can to remove Hataru from leadership. And if I die yep. because I'm in the most dangerous position, then that's what the gods want. Yeah, I'm not sure I follow his logic completely, but I mean, he was raised by the lion, wasn't he? He, he was he fostered. He was fostered to the lion, and they mm. do mention that in this story that he he yeah. lived there for a number of years before his gempuku. So Uji's not quite entirely sure about telling him about some of the um, creative answers I... <laughs> the crane have for some of their problems. Yeah, so he, this is a very lion attitude mm -hmm. of you throw yourself into the thing, and that tells you if you're right or not, which is very very interesting, and. So we do we do mention a few. There are a few things we find out about as we go on. Uh, Doji Kowanon practically has the ghost of Doji Satsume in his mind, he definitely... which is an interesting callback to the RPG modules. Right. I thought that was a fun Easter egg where he keeps on mm. imagining talking to the ghost of Doji Satsume. And, um, well, it's it's in there for those who have played through the early games. Yep, yep. Uh, we mentioned with with the whole kind of if I go do this mad crazy thing, then I'll, maybe I've regained my honor. It's very much a death seeker thing, which is a lion thing. So that again folds back into the you know his upbringing with the lion. The idea of placing a decision in the hands of the fortunes is also very traditional, and it, and extends into the idea of dueling. The way dueling done is done in Rock Again, where you put it. This is in the hands of the gods. And whoever wins the fight is definitely favored yep. by the gods, even if they happen to be this awesome Kakita duelist yep. who've trained just to do this for their whole Very lives. Very convenient. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but we also do get mention of, just as we get mentioned, the Death Seekers, we pretty much, I don't think they're named. Nope. But we meet some Harriers. 
We definitely oh, yeah. meet some Harriers. And and the like, justification for them. So mm. uh, Uji is telling Kuanan, well, have you heard of this thing in Akoto's leadership? Because even mm. the lion wouldn't, you know, obviously re- revere that. Uh, that in war, all things are honorable. And Kuanan goes, yep. yeah, I was a bit iffy on that bit, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, at one point, one of the one of the Daidoji, completely normal Daidoji warriors, pulls out some tiger claws to climb a, a wall. The <laughs> Tegaki Shuko, which is uh, very much a, a classic ninja weapon, right? So, so um, we we do have this justification for for these harriers, and. Mm. Kwanan accepts it, figuring, well, Satsume knew about it, so I guess it's okay. And we've heard kind of confirmation, uh, I was listening to the last Prophets podcast talking about this book, and and there it sounds like the Daidoji do deploy Harriers, they're definitely there, but they really are, at least in this part of the timeline, uh, battle exclusive, so it ha- mm. it has to be used in a, a kind of war context. Yes, you, you're not going to yes. have a, a harrier sneak into your bedroom at night. And well, do bad things. To well, you. well, it only depends. consensual. <laughs> <laughs> not yes, not not in a hostile way. <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> So long as they're discreet. No, no, that's a different discussion. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he, so he, Kawanan basically says, change your, your battle plan completely. And, and I think at one point he's saying, okay, what's the most important thing? And he said, ah, this outpost, this is the most important thing. And Uji's like, well, no, 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 this is the most important thing. All right, fine. So he then puts himself in the way. He does, in fact, end up taking, well, I say he, he and his new best friends. <gasps> Well, I, do I, take this this fortification. They do, and Uji wasn't going to take it, but it is Kwanan wasn't wrong. Okay, mm. that's one thing. Kwanan is very good strategically and in fighting. Mm. He he's lion trained, you know. It, it, that has yeah, its yeah, pluses yeah. and its minuses. <laughs> um, but he honestly, oh, yeah, on, honestly, it's just weird reading a fiction where a character actually does the thing they're supposed to be good at. It's <laughs> <laughs> especially the crane. The crane have been not been having good luck in their fictions. No, they haven't. But he, you know, Uchi just thought it would be too risky to mm. take to take it. He 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 wasn't sure that he could get people through, but it still was the safest yeah. position to use to take to Kuden Kikita, very likely. I yeah. mean, at the end of the story, Kuden Kikita still isn't isn't taken, but not because but, just because yeah, yeah, the yeah. timeline hasn't evolved to that point within the yes. story. Um but this 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 fortification made an a direct attack annoying because their lion archers had a good field of view. So if you take it out that makes life a lot easier. So it does actually kind of Right. If I remember how yeah, it's pretty good. So so, so. Kwanan taking it is a is a very good thing. Um but mm. Kwanan is um you know, put himself intentionally in the riskiest part to, to see yep. if the judgment of the gods would favor him. And yep. 
Um, there's a lot of speculation that the judgment of gods uh, might actually have been Gagin Pepper. <laughs> there, yeah, was a- there was there was a loud explosion and a flash of light, not necessarily in that order now I think about it. And yeah, some people were arguing about what that might have been. <laughs> but uh, the author, D.G. Latterut, did come in and say it was real lightning and thunder. Mm. So... Yeah. No extracurriculars from the Daidoji yet. Well, not not that particular extracurricular. There's a fair amount of extracurricular extracurricular behaviour. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. While but scaling. it's all in battle. It's all in battle, so it's fine. Really? But yeah, so a great big lightning strike hits, which Kwanon rather understandably took to be a sign. So and and thunder and lightning is very strongly associated with heroism, especially mortal heroism, and the idea that fate fortunes the mortal, right? Which is a thing that Shinsei used to say and said right at the day of thunder. Mm-hmm. So that's that's very interesting. So I liked the end um, when the lion lose the fortification. Kuanan. Uh, actually uh, offers to release the lion hmm. general and and even even letting them join the other forces in Kuten Kikita. this is yep. this is this code of of honor uh that makes uh samurai warfare m- more fun <laughs> oh, distinctive yeah distinctive. And, and, yeah so um, yeah he gets he gets he gets a big tick on his courtesy thing there right uh even to go join the other forces uh if you know if they do a a a clean surrender and the lion agrees but the commander commits seppuku for his Mm. failure and um has a good final haiku i liked that uh and has uh kuanan be his second uh so i thought that that was a really that was a really cool way to end the end the battle and I, i liked that and I thought it was a, a well-written thing. The battle itself as a whole was very well-written. Yeah, it's very hard to write battle scenes. And this yeah. is probably one of the best, coolest battle scenes I've I've read. So mm. yay, yay for that. Yay for Kwanan actually doing something he's he's okay at. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I... And so he's he's very much energized and is like, I am now going to go off and I'm going to do things. So we shall see how that Because things out. must be done. Mm-hmm. Well, it's whether it's the right things or the wrong things, that's going to be the question. Um, I really need to see Hataru's point of view at this point. At some point she's I... going to know about... We've got a confrontation for the ages coming... Indeed. There's even been art done for it, so. (laughs) Yeah. So, I think that's actually, uh, we've done a lot. So much stuff, yeah. Right, so, that's us for this week, I think. Right, we've got. A lot of stuff been going on. Right. Uh, We have, I wanted to call out. As I said, we've got a, a called out the last province podcast. Their last one does talk in part about uh, the second story, uh, Night Storm Rages, uh, and all the useful things that uh, Last Province talks about. And yep. also, the Six Stream podcast had another interview with Tyler this week, and he it was mostly card game stuff, but he did have a 
some some small amount of story discussion going on. So, mm-hmm. I and- think we should also give a shout out to the table is yours, which is an audio production of the various L five R online fictions, which you are slightly involved in. Mm, yes, we did our first audio or radio play uh, a couple weeks, uh, not this week, last week, which was uh, the black and white story where everybody has a different, you know, we have more than one person reading it and, and everyone has different roles and it's more more exciting that way than if it's just one person read the story. So we try yeah, to do yeah, a good yeah. job on our reading yeah. it. You can check that out and hear me do my, my best Bayushi Kachiko and Akoto Kaede. <laughs> Excellent. And, uh, and of course, our sister podcast, which is mm-hmm. uh, the Court Games LCG. And they have all the card game stuff going on. Yeah, I have no idea what, any, what's going on with the card game, but they do, so you should listen to them. And they're supported just like we are by our patrons. So thank you to our patrons. But that's yes, it. thank you very much. <laughs> that's it for okay. me. I am Kikita Kaori. Uh, that's it for us this week. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Korva, and until we meet again, keep your jade handy.